Yeah, right? Welcome to base camp. It was so great to see the energy on campus, uh, all this, the kids and the staff and everything. And some, some of our people, you, you might not know this, but you need to know this. Some of our people are absolutely in their element that week with those kids, watching Brett and Gene and so many others. I can't name everybody's name because then I'll forget somebody and then I get in trouble in the emails and you know how it is. Um, but to just the smiles on the face and the video was awesome. Uh, know that in person, it was that much better. It was really, and we found, uh, we finally found a use for um, cheese puff balls, <laughs> right? Because they're not edible. <laughs> There's, yeah, we finally, I want to throw a cheese puff ball at someone. <laughs> So, uh, so thanks, uh, Brent and Children's Ministry, Gene, and all the stuff. <clears throat> and um, uh, yeah, this was base camp, and we set it up last week, and and uh, we left it up because we wanted you to see what is it that goes on here when you're not here, and the fact that we are Christ-centered, biblically based, compelling ourselves and others to Christ, like the kids. In casual ways, we were pretty casual this week, right? That welcome all to worship, right? And we have be a community that serves a greater community. We actually had uh, kids from Shepherd's Gate came and joined our program, and we facilitated that and the whole thing, uh, which was new for us this year uh, and amazing. And we're, we're hoping to start a streak, if you know what I mean. Bring them back and do what we can to love on them and stuff. So very cool. Um, I want to point out something I saw in the video um, because it really struck me as this, this is kind of why we do this. There was a, a post with signs on it, and the one that caught my eye was the path to forgiveness. The path to forgiveness. It's actually what we're going to talk about this morning, uh, Romans chapter 6. But uh, we were showing the kids what is the base camp for the path to forgiveness what does that climb look like when you get to the top uh, what's going to be involved the whole thing and um, just so glad that we get to do that um, uh, with our students a few weeks ago at at summer camp and all the different ways that we do that and men's group women's group men's group tomorrow night seven o'clock porkies um, sorry i had to slip a commercial in there um, so yeah thank you uh, let's get going. We're our Romans chapter 6, continuing our series in uh, the book. And uh, this, is a, this is a fun one. I'm, I'm going to have a little fun today. This one was a little bit exciting for me. Um, but let's pray, and then, uh, then we'll, jump, we'll jump in. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for this week. And beyond the people who worked and served, uh, Lord, we want you to bless them. Uh, but beyond that what happened with the students, with the kids, uh, how it affected their families, and really the opportunity they had and will continue to have at knowing you, starting that path to forgiveness. And uh, pray that you would continue to help us be a church that facilitates those kind of things. And so uh, bless us in how we organize, how we worship, how we think. Bless all that, Lord. Uh, be with us our, the, now, this time, as we look at your word. Uh, be, may we be reminded we have your word so that we can study it, so that we can know it, and get to a place, as, as your word says, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. Pray that our time in your word will help us know and understand you. 
And so uh, be with us now uh, in honor of your son through the guidance of your spirit. And all God's people at RBC said, Amen. Amen. Last week we did uh, Romans chapter 5 with kind of the big idea, quick, super short overview. Grace and God's gift is greater than any sin, anything bad. Like no matter what, God's always better than the worst of worst. It doesn't matter past, present, what your guilt is, any kind of that. You don't think you know enough. You don't don't have the right daddy, which is not true ever. Um, None of that matters because God's bigger than all of it. Amen? Amen. Uh, We can always be forgiven. There's always enough grace. It's a matter of do we turn, do we we go there, right? Uh, You have to know that because the first sentence of chapter 6 says, well then... If that's true, let's find out what it is. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Well, what shall we say then? What's the therefore from chapter 5? Like if it's true, if God and his free gift of life, salvation, grace, if that's bigger, no matter what you do, then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey, we can, uh, you know, we actually make God look bigger and better the more bad stuff we do that he forgives us for and then we can tell this great story my life was a train wreck i was doing drugs and having illicit sex and swearing at puppies and kicking cats and no and then god came and rescued me and uh you know when i was early in ministry as an intern uh, i worked for a, a young pastor and we were doing um student ministry and sometimes people would come in and they'd have these elaborate stories, you know, of, you know, all the things that had happened to them or things that they had done. They were just grandiose, dramatic testimonies. And then they would talk about how God saved them, changed them. And uh, we would say, that's awesome. I, you know, my, don't have that story. I don't, I mean, my parents got divorced, but I mean, if that's the worst of it, I mean, I've had a pretty good life, so I guess I don't have a testimony, you know? And we used to joke, well, maybe we should go out and start doing drugs, and then we could recover from it. Then we'd have this great story, and people would come to Christ, right? No, we always said that in jest, sarcastically, knowing what's being alluded to here. Um, There's no reason for us to go and experiment with the bounds, the limits, the length of God's grace. Um, uh, in fact, what we would call that was we would call that playing with fire. We don't we don't play with fire because it can get out of control, and the next thing you know, you're burned. And Paul is making maybe a, a different statement than that. I mean, that's the obvious one that most of us would come up with with a little little logic. Paul's making the statement of, um, yes. We are free and we are forgiven when we do bad things. He's saying, let's not experiment and find out how much He has to forgive us. But then beyond that, He's going to say something even better. Because if instead of going and experimenting with sin, like let's say we we eliminate that option, we've got to come up with another option. What are we going to do then, right? If I tell you, can't play backgammon today, right? Most of you would say, well, who plays backgammon anyways anymore, right? 
I, what would you have to do? You'd have to come up with something else meant to do, right? Um, in psychology, uh, they, we call this uh, replacement behavior. And Paul's going to give us a great replacement behavior for, okay, instead of going out and just sinning and, oh, I got this freedom, I can just do whatever I want. You know, I can live guilt-free now. I can just go do whatever I want. I don't worry about it because I have a get-out-of-jail-free card and fire insurance. No matter what. Uh, Paul says, uh, you know, technically, letter of law, that's true. But you're missing out on an opportunity, right? There's an opportunity cost to that, right? If you want to get into economics, right? Okay, we've covered psychology, economics. We're going to hit a few more disciplines today. All right, so should we do that? And what's his answer? Verse 2, three words, by no means. By no means, right? That's kind of an older English kind of response. You know, maybe grandma used to say, by no means, you know, grandpa. Um, what's that mean, though? By no means. It means no, right? But if you, if you look at it, there are no means that you should pursue. There's not an avenue that we should pursue to do that. By not a single of your options, of pursuing sin should you do it not on purpose not as a quick experiment not because everybody else is doing it uh, not because you didn't know any better not because it was an accident there are no excuses by no means do we do this that's a pretty strong argument paul's getting a little fired up here let's find out why how can we who died to sin still live in it he's saying uh, let me introduce you to this new opportunity. What's that third to last word in verse 2, right before the 3? Starts with L. Live. He says there's a chance to live. Now why would you continue to uh, be enmeshed in sin and taken over and controlled or whatever when there's a life moving forward? Verse 2, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Ooh, this is where it starts to look dark for those who have read very little and spend no time trying to figure it out. Oh, the Bible is like, oh, we're baptized into death. You can imagine people out there, the pre-Christians, the yet-to-know-Christ, the still at the beginning of the path to forgiveness. When we say things like we were baptized into death, what do we sound like? Pretty crazy people. Yeah. Don locos. Adios. <laughs> We're out of here. Right? Um, we need to understand that this isn't just a crazy statement. Right? We, we do baptism. Amen? We do baptism to symbolize very many different things. Right? A uh, washing of our sin away and the whole thing. We've been baptized into a grace, a free gift that Christ finished on the cross that he exemplified in his own baptism because we're trying to identify with something. And what Christ did, he says, you know what, I'm going to baptize you into a couple things. I'm going to baptize you into my death or the death or the removal of sin or that kind of stuff. But I'm also going to baptize you into what I make you say earlier that starts with L, life. Right? He says, you've been baptized into this death. What are we trying to kill off? Our sin nature, our pursuit of, well, I can just go do as many bad things as I want and God will forgive me. No, we want to kill that side off or Christ has killed that side off. 
if we buy it. Verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. Our past, our old self, let's bury that stuff. Let's have that be over. Well, you, you don't know my past. You don't know what I did. You don't know what was done to me. You don't know what I'm afraid of. You don't know um, what I'm incapable of. Or you don't know what I'm capable of. Um, and God says, um, yeah, how about, how about you put that all on hold? I'll work on a big eraser. And you turn and face the other direction and we move forward from here. Okay, great. This happened. That happened. Your parent did this. Your boss did that. Some kid abused you. Blah blah blah. And you had a funky nickname, right? Um, I got all those. A good counselor would say, "But what do you want to do from today, moving forward?" Um, who's the wonderful counselor, by the way? God is, right? Guy says, "Hey, let we can move forward. Let's move forward rather than backward. We were buried into this. Well, if you're buried, how do you live?" It's an analogy. So the people come up and say, you got Christians are crazy. You use terminology that sounds like you're whacked out clan cult. Said, oh, oh no, it's analogous, right? But say it that way, analogous, because they might have to figure out what that word means and you might put them on their heels for a second, right? Uh, we're buried into this so that, this is for, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might, say it, we might walk. Can you walk when you're dead? You have to be, to walk, you have to be, it starts with L, alive, right? Living. We too might walk in newness. So what died? The old. And we're bringing in this new. How's this happen? Newness of life. For if we have been, verse 5, united with Him, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Uh, it's, it's an important thing for us to hold on to that past the cross that Friday and his death, past the stone rolled away and the ladies looking for him and the guys doubting, Jesus Beyond his resurrection, when he comes back, he lives and walks among people. Now, was that a proof that it actually happened? Yes. Could there be more to it? Hey guys, there's life after death. There's a way to move forward. There's a newness coming. Right? How do we do this? new thing and the question i hope you're asking today is can i do it can i can i walk differently live differently can i be new in spite of all that stuff we said we're going to close the door on wrap it up and it's over can i never wear that shirt again and i'm going to wear different things moving forward A resurrection, a resurrection like him r- r- raised to live again. Verse 6, um, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. What are we doing with the past? And what value do we give it? None. None. So that we would no longer be 
enslaved to sin. Why, why did um, he do that? Well, there's many, many reasons um, that he did the cross, that he offers this free gift, that he comes to us multiple times, that he gives us his word, he puts other people around us who can testify to the same, gives us gifting, gives us calling, gives us a spirit that gives us guidance. Why does he do all of those things? But sin's dead. Sin, where is your sting? Right, Death, where is your sting? What, there's nothing. That's freedom. That's freedom where guilt can be like a word you don't recognize anymore. This word, guilt, I, I don't understand. Can you please explain? No, don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. Well, blame and shame. I heard you use those words too. Yeah, they don't, they don't exist anymore. They're nothing. And more than that, you can move beyond the things that have drawn you into selfish passions, abuse of others, and move into a different paradigm, a different way to think. Um, we would say it may be a path to forgiveness. What's that path look like? Starts with God and Christ saying, You're no longer enslaved to sin. Good news? What's the bad news? You're still a slave. <gasps> what? Let's find out about that. For no one who has died has been set free from sin. What's wrong with that sentence? For no one who has died has been set free from sin. There's, a, there's no no in there. We live as Christians very often as if We've not been set free. I mean, I died with Christ. I did the baptism thing. You remember, you know, 18, neighborhood church up in the balcony in the baptistry, Mark Tyler. 360. Oh, anyways, I digress. Um, I did all that, but I still need to play around over here in the sin stuff and let myself be a, uh, drawn into and preoccupied and my resources squandered and the whole thing because that's just kind of who I am. And I mean, he did it for us, but it was symbolic and it didn't really work. We actually live that way far too often. And Paul's saying, look, uh, the one who has died has been set free. A great word. What does freedom actually look like? Changing the way you define guilt. Changing the power that you attribute to sin. Changing limits you put on so-called death raises your understanding of who God is, what the gift actually was, the cost, the range, and then the possibility is that I turn my back on all that stuff. What are the possibilities ahead of me now? If I were to live and no longer be enslaved to sin, Now we're having fun. For the one 
who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, verse 8, we believe that we will also... Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> is, is Paul trying to get us to something? I mean, because he started off, hey, if, if grace is bigger than sin, then can we just go sin and grace will abound? Like we'll have a better understanding of grace because we have tested it and pushed it to the limits. He says, well, don't do that because we don't want to live in that anymore and you're no longer enslaved to that anymore. But more than that, how about what does live look like moving forward? What could you be a part of? How great could it be? We know that Christ, verse 9, being raised from the dead will never die again. You know, that's. You ever been to a movie? And you're like, well, I saw that once. <laughs> never, I'm never going to see that again. You know, and, and sometimes even good movies. Like, yeah, it was entertaining. I enjoyed it, but it's over. I don't need to do that anymore. Right? You, you know, um, Jesus, I'll, I'll make this argument. We'll have to argue about it another time. Um, Jesus need not go to the cross. He could have solved it another way. But that was the way he, God, and the Spirit chose to do it. Right? Trinity said, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to explain it. We're going to give a bunch of examples of it. Didn't have to do it, but he did do it. I didn't need to do it again. You never need to go back there. There's no third testament, right? There's no, well, let me prove it one more time. No, if you had to do it again, all of a sudden death has a little sting to it, right? Because all of a sudden it comes back. Right? It's like the bad guy in a movie you don't like where you think he's dead and the next thing you know, he pops out. Wait, you were supposed to be dead in the last scene. How are you back? Right? Well, I took a mag magic potion and now I'm back. Well, no. He doesn't have to go back and do that again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death never really did have dominion over him, but it did have dominion over us. And you set an example so that you could see where is your dominion. Because if I remove this as an option for your dominion, then I guess your dominion has to be over here. Are you living in that? Are you, as he said earlier, walking in that? That's what Paul's getting at. For the death he died, he died to sin once for how many? All people or all time? Thank you. All right. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, I would say the biggest problem with dabbling in sin, although you have more grace through Christ and his finished work on the cross, the, the problem with dabbling in that is you're still dabbling in something that has no return it's it's the fear of missing out it should be the fear of people say this fomo f-o-m-o -O, fear of missing out the more you dabble in sin or the less or the lack of return stuff you're missing out on what christ does want to do for you how he does want to lead you the new things he could show you the accomplishments well that sounds like prosperity gospel Well, we have a definition of prosperity gospel from our culture. 
which we don't like and we would argue against. But the gospel was meant for you to prosper. Now, in different ways than you would measure, and it's not monetary, and it's not so you have the nice car. Your hair's not going to grow back. I've tried. I'm sorry. Um, but what, is, what does prosper look like for God? What is winning, succeeding, being effective, compassionate, caring, empathetic, serving, mercy? What do those things look like? And what would the return feel like? What would that experience be for you? Because I'm finding those are the ways when I really feel like I'm living. When I really feel like I'm set free. And that the gospel doesn't end with the cross, but starts. Right? Wonderful. Um, and so you must also, right? You also must. What's that about verse 11? I know we already read it and I'm coming back to this phrase. Why? Because this whole thing that Christ did where He gave up death he gave over sin he said look i'm not i'm going to conquer this beat this and i'm going to move on and start living so must you also so also must you pick the word order you like they mean the same thing right um we get to move on and start living verse 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body we're back to the question of the first verse hey should we go on sinning that grace may abound no it says let's not let it reign to make you obey its passions. Obey. Hmm. If I'm obeying, am I in charge? No. I know that took a little bit of logic and you had to sort it a, a moment. Um, if, if, if you're obeying someone, um, we, we have a phrase for that. We've used it a couple of times. Starts with S, rhymes with brave. You're a slave, right? And if things can reign in you, you are out of control. Someone else is in control. All right, we have two different ways of saying the exact same thing. Remember earlier I said bad news, you're still a slave? We're designed by nature to be slaves. Spiritually. Now somebody's going to cut that up and turn it into a tape and then I'll be on social media and then, oh, he believes in slavery or whatever. No. 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 But you know our culture likes to do that kind of stuff. Um, so if, what does that mean for us then? If our nature is to be slaves, we've got to figure out how to live that nature in the right way. And Paul's going to explain it. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. If you're an instrument, if you're a tool, which I love the double meaning for like uh, social slang. If you're a tool, that's a bad thing, right? But if you're a tool, you're not the workman. You're just an instrument. Someone else is the, is the workman. But present yourselves to God. Remember I told you there's a workman? But present yourselves to God. Who do you think the workman could be? Right? I mean, sin could be. Or, or is there a better option, Scott? Can I go for door number two? But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Did he already make that argument? Yes, he did. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. You can be a sin instrument 
or you can be a holy instrument. Either way, you are a tool. Man, I've been waiting to say that. You are such a tool, right? I've, I've heard that many times, and now I'm going to start owning it, right? <laughs> right? I, I can be um, a tool for God. I can be an instrument of God. I can live with God, Him using me. Um, you want to call that slavery because it's dark and it kind of solves what I was telling you earlier about we're slaves by nature. Or we could uh, do away with the slave analogy because it's very sensitive. And we could say, hey, we're going to do God's work. We're going to be part of the fun. Because he, he, he came that we might have life and might have it abundantly. I want to do the abundantly part. I want to do the joy part. For sin, verse 14, will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. The dominion you used to be in was law or sin or death. The new dominion is His. It's grace. Verse 15, what then? If this is all true, all right, well, can you sum it up, Paul? Because, I mean, I, I get your argument. Good logic. So what's the takeaway? Where do we go from here? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? Well, now it's like, well, it doesn't matter how big grace is. I'm not even under sin, so there is no sin. Technically, I can just go do whatever, right? Um, don't worry. There's no one out there in our current culture who thinks that. That was dripping sarcasm. And you should make sure you understand our culture is living in the judge's mentality. Uh, judges like they all went to law school no i mean like first testament the prequel where judges says and israel had no king and every man did what was right in their own eyes that's what i think whenever somebody says well that's true for you but it's not true for me ouch i know where you're headed bad place when we think we can just do anything are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace by no means he's starting to like that phrase isn't he by no means there's no avenue that, in which we should pursue that do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves you are slaves to the one whom you what's that word obey have we seen that word a couple times now yeah watch because it's coming back like return of the jedi um either of sin you could obey sin which leads to death or of what's that word Oh, yes, we got the longer version, just to make sure we identify it and recognize it, which leads to righteousness. Here's where I base the heart of my argument that we're still slaves, that we're tools rather than workmen. Is that we're, we're either going to serve and obey sin and death, or we're going to serve and obey God, holy and righteous. Good news. You apparently have a choice. Choose wisely, as grandma used to say, I know you're going to make the right decision. We would play cards, and it's time to discard, and she might get it, right? Or uh, what was that game, uh, Old Maid, where you get to pick one out? She'd say, oh, here, go ahead. I know you'll make the right decision. I was destined to learn sarcasm, okay? Grandma Berglund, love her. Can't wait to see her. Uh, verse 17, but thanks be to God. Really? Because I just got told I was a slave and a tool. Why, what am I thanking him for? That you were once slaves of sin. 
you were stuck, bound, chained, locked up, limited, managed. You once were slaves of sin. You have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Um, I want us to catch this because there's a phrase that we could easily miss and talk over. If, I, if we were talking about obedience and we were doing a little analogy and I said, hey, let's see if uh, Doug's going to be obedient. Hey, Doug, would you take that computer when you put it over there? If he obeyed, he'd have to get up and take, don't do it, I know, he would. He's about to, right? He'd, he'd get up and it would be a physical action. But right there, they didn't talk about obedience as a physical action. Said obedience from the, go back a slide for me, if you would, master, chef. Um, obedient from the what? Heart. How does your heart obey? How does, can your heart move that computer over there? I mean, if it can, I'll like, we'll stop the service and we'll just watch. That'll be awesome. Right? Um, how does your heart obey? Folks, we got to get this right because we just sold a whole bunch of kids that there's a path to forgiveness. And I'm pretty sure Paul's just put this uh, directly on that path that somehow there's a thing about obedience that starts here. Long before you get over your laziness and decide to get up and help somebody in a physical act, be obedient and avoid the things that God's called you to avoid. Be obedient and chase the things God's called you to chase. Uh, what what happens in the heart? How is obedience a condition of the heart? Because obedience is someone you are rather than something you do. The change has to be internal. Because what happens when I ask Doug, move that computer and go over there, Something goes on in here and in here where he makes a decision before he acts. I love what I used to be told as a student when I was in student ministry by my youth pastor. Make sure you have a plan for when you're tempted. Make sure you have a plan for when it gets ugly. Because if you have no plan, you'll end up doing whatever comes to mind first. Right? And what did we learn uh, chapter 3 a couple weeks ago, Brent? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our natural intention is usually wrong. So have a plan. How do you have a plan? You start conforming your mind and your heart to God. What's important to Him and is it important to you? Thanks be to God that you have that. All right? Back to our um, next slide, verse 18. Um, and having been set free, oh, by the way, standard of teaching to which you were committed... Standard of teaching is what? Any? Um, do you have any guesses as to what that might be? What's the standard of teaching? Okay, good. I was hoping that you would get that. Um, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your, your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, you mean there's a progression? Yes, that's a sign of maturity if you figure that out. Everything progresses, right? So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Is that good? <laughs> that's a really big word. 
sanctify. You know, I really want to honor the sanctity of my marriage. Is sanctity good? Yeah. Um, but sanctity is an ongoing process. Right? path to forgiveness is Christ. Once you get Christ, the next path has to do with sanctification. How are you learning to adjust your heart? How are you learning to adjust your mind? How are you at um, saying goodbye to old things and finding replacement behaviors as you move forward in life? How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide that process and pick what your options are of where you might go? What you might do? How are you learning to respond to people differently? Um, what do you invest your time in? What do you walk away from? Uh, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. No need to worry about righteousness or God or anything. Slave to sin, I do what I want. I just say it like it is. Just a straight shooter. Mm, sounds very similar to do what you want. Uh, but what fruit were you getting at that time when the things of which you are now ashamed? What were you getting? What did you get out of that? You, you ever um, done something, invested for a really long time, and then you're like, what, what really came out of that? Like, well, wasted that time. Can't get that time back. Can't get that money back. I mean, you, Paul, Paul's making one of the most obvious long-term observations. It's a long-term, not a short-term, because in the short-term, we're all thrown off on this one. But over the long-term, there's no return on sin. That's positive. What did we just do there? There's a return on it, but you get nothing from it. The return is death, pain, alienation, and dead bodies on the path behind you. He says, don't do that. Uh, what fruit were you getting? Nothing. And now you're ashamed of it because you know you figured it out as you got older and matured. For the end of those things is death. Wah, wah, wah. But now that you have been set free from sin, you've been set free? Let me say amen. Hallelujah. Okay, all right, good. There's a few of you. Uh, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to that big word, sanctification, that process, and its end, eternal life. When's eternal life start? Now. Starts now. Verse 3, and then the famous verse of chapter 6 that is in every um, set of Bible memory flashcards. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless the reading of His Word. Amen. Amen. Let's find a couple things um, to pull out of this. Uh, I was I like to come up with little titles and I do goofy things from time to time. But looking at this week, I, I think I had to just go just straight, just normal, no nonsense. Jesus sets us free. 
Jesus sets us free. I love this verse. You were slaves to this, now you're slaves to him. Okay, there's irony. Did you figure this out? Jesus set you free, but he made you a slave. Wait, which one is it? Both, right? There's freedom in having the ultimate master where there's no cares, there's no fears, everything's taken care of, you win, and um, make sure you understand I'm, I'm talking about a spiritual master and there's only one of those that fills that equation, right? I don't, I don't do um, earthly masters, by the way. Um, but let's, let's look at a couple pieces of this, things that can help us understand it. Uh, first one is this, oppor- opportunity goes in the direction you choose. There's a couple, quite a few different verses that cover this and the idea um, that there's, you know, uh, uh, being enslaved to sin and this idea that, uh, you know, when you head that direction, it keeps going, right? Lawless leads to more lawless. Um, So you're... Your opportunity, what you want to do moving forward is you can hang on to that stuff and da, 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 and and if you go that direction, you will go that direction. There's some brilliant simple logic. Um what what's the implication then? What what's the question then that we ask? Right? W- what do you choose? Because you get the opportunity you choose. See the underlined words? Just the underlined words. You get the opportunity you choose. And, and it will head that direction. Everything progresses. You want your relationship with the Lord to progress? Good news. That's the only thing that it does. Oh, really? Because I had a relationship with the Lord. I was going really bad for a really long time. Yeah, you call that a relationship. You were not really in relationship, and that progresses the wrong direction. Right? Said this before. You're either spiraling up or you're spiraling. Yeah, we call it circling the bowl, right? You're about to get flushed. Um, so what, what are the opportunities that you want? Which is a great question. And then there's this whole choice thing. That's, that's a great piece of it too. Um, how about we go beyond that and say, what's the opportunity he wants for you? What's the opportunity he would choose for you? Those have been the best times in my life. When God has taken over and I've gone kicking and screaming. And he, he laughs at me when I kick and scream, by the way. That's the relationship that God... I, he, he would never laugh at you. But that's like my love language. When I'm being a brat, he goes, what are you doing? Come here. Ding dong. Right? Um, and, and, but then where I end up... Whoa. Whoa. I'm, I'm having a hard time staying calm folks i'm in a church that just completed a decade of vbs i don't know how to respond to that other than goosebumps i haven't led any of them to the glory of god the father and his son jesus christ (laughs) right (coughs) what are the opportunities that god wants for you where you want to work what relationship you want to be in. How you want to solve that pressing issue. 
are you afraid of? What do you hope for? And in all those things, how can you put God as first in that category? How can you involve Him in those things? How are you praying about it? What are you reading in Scripture? How are you serving for a little bit just to get a break from being so intent on that one thing that you go do something else and help somebody else? Um, you know, Who are you engaging with that can help you with it? That God can put in your path? Because He works through people. Amen? Yeah, He does. Opportunity goes in the direction you choose. Um, number two, be uh, believing, baptized, and buried bring you to become... Any guesses on um, what this next word starts with? B, okay. And it rhymes with letter. Better. Believing, baptized, and buried bring you to become better. Yeah, we just said that opportunity goes in the direction that you choose. Well, how about you choose the believing, the baptizing, and the buried? Have you ever been baptized? Well, uh, it seems like an archaic ceremony with very little like true ramifications. Oh, really? Well, I can give you a document. It gives us 10 different reasons from Scripture as to why we do baptism. It's commanded. Jesus did it himself. All of the disciples did it. The early apostles did it. And the church has practiced it ever since. Gee, Scott, you're just trying to build your business to get more baptisms. How dare you? Don't you put that evil on me. There's something about being baptized. I had a student call me from 20 years ago. Life has happened to her. Let's just say that. And she's about to go into um, a new marriage. And he is coming to this as a new marriage also. Both have kids. And they started going to church. And she called and said, my fiance needs to be baptized and my kids need to be baptized via my house on this Saturday on this date. And we got in their pool in front of 20 people. And I held them down as long as I could. No. About time. All those things you used to do. Oh my gosh, I can't believe. You're so lucky to be here. Did I do that? No. There's something about doing the stuff that God says, eh, mandatory. And then, what does he do with that? How does it change you? It doesn't change him at all. I mean, he does say, about time Berglund's finally listening right and he may say that about you too but have you been baptized um have you been buried we're gonna do some burials no that's across the street right um no uh buried what what is it what, what could that mean have you buried the past have you buried the sin have you buried the abuse have you buried the mistakes have you buried the doubts? Have you buried the fears? Have you, how much can you bury? How much stuff can you fit in the trailer and take it to the dump? Drop it off. If you're lucky, you leave the trailer there too. Right? What, what can you bury and how much can you bury? How fast can you do it? 
Because that's the first one, folks. Believing is where it starts. Because if you don't believe, you're probably not going to be baptized and you certainly, certainly won't be bearing anything in your life. Well, Scott, I understand that it's Christ who buried everything. It's not us actually who buried it. Stop it. Don't do that. Yes. Did Christ finish it? Yes. Is he uh, responsible and get credit for all good things? Yes. But somehow in this, he says, you have choice. Be on the team with him and go do that. That means you have to believe some of that. And believing some of that means heart starts to change, head starts to change, and you say, okay, I will move the computer. I'm going to try this stuff. What do you mean I have to put on a swimsuit and get water all over in front of people? And like, what? You'll never know. You'll never know. Until you believe that for some reason God has ordained it as important to Him and that's all that matters. But you could experience some great opportunity costs when you say, okay, what, what day can we do this? Because where does it lead? What's that last word? Better. All right, we are going to do this right now. It's going to be really, really fast. This is called a show of hands. It's going to be amazing. Ready? Watch this. How many want better? Right? One of the only times we had a unanimous vote at church. Right? Could be our last one. Um, uh, that, that comes from believing. And again, look at the two underlined words only. Believing better. About you or about him? Believing better about God, right? Because Jesus set us free. Um, number three, uh, I know there's four today. Are you guys like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with him? Um, experience is based in obedience. Experience is based in, is based in obedience. Um, you mean, in, unless I'm obedient, I won't have an experience? No. Remember, you're always a slave. You will be obedient to something. Choose what you will be obedient to, and that will define your experience. You mean I'm going to have an experience? Yes. Will it be good or bad? I don't know. You tell me. You can, what are you going to be obedient to? Th this is the one that Christians miss. This is the one why people outside the church hate us. Because we say you have to be born again and washed with the blood of Jesus. You need to be buried in Christ. All these crazy things that make us look like a cult. And then we go out, and how do we treat them? They're different. They think this. They do that. They voted this way. Whatever. I don't care, and God does not care either. He says, love your neighbor, and you need to start figuring out what your experience is going to be when you start obeying God on just the first two, which, by the way, good luck on getting them both right or perfected at any time. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's our job. Because we're stuck on that little sign on the post in the video from Camp Rock. The path to forgiveness and you know what the reality is and this is what i was spinning on and watching this and like oh my gosh this totally fits the path to forgiveness is very very short it's 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 one of the shortest in fact there shouldn't even be a sign for it right 
The path to forgiveness. This way. What? Bam! Hits you in the face. It's right there. I don't need a sign for that. It's right here. Because Jesus did it. Finished? Did he call it? Finished? Did he tell the one criminal, today you will be with me in paradise when he's nailed to something and cannot do any type of restitution whatsoever? Yes. The path to forgiveness is super short, but we think that's all it is sometimes. There's another path. There were other signs. Did you notice? There were other signs on the pole. Why? Because that's where sanctification begins. That's where life starts. I asked you, when does eternal life start? You said now. Yes, that's a lot of time. And how's that going to go? If you obey Him, in wonderful ways. If you obey something else, He does this one. All right. Hey, Peter, how's it going? Hey, Paul. Dean Abe or Mo, where are they at? Well, I don't know, Jesus, what are you doing? I'm waiting for Knucklehead down there. It doesn't look like it's going for so well for them. Yeah, it's not. But that's how they learn. What are we having for dinner? Is that where Abe and Mo are? They're making dinner? The obedience is based in, uh, in your experience, vice versa, right? Last one. This one's profound, and I was wondering if I should put this one in here. You are free. Um, that's overly simplistic, Scott. Um, you didn't need to say that. I think this is kind of an assumed statement. No. We live like we're enslaved. Sometimes we walk like we're God. We choose based on passions and preferences that really are enslaving. And, and I wanted to make sure we, we distinguish today that the, the sign to forgiveness doesn't need to be there because that path to forgiveness is so short. You, Christ is right there with you. That's so short. And then I said, but, but there's another bunch of signs of how eternal life and life and choices and experience and obedience move forward from there. That is not the path to freedom. Freedom starts at the pole. Any direction you, do, you head in, you're free in heading that direction. We need to think in terms of we're free to make good choices, to experience God, to know Him, to understand Him, to help others do the same, to be healed, you're already free to be forgiven. You have the freedom to make great choices. How long will you make God sit up there and go, oh my goodness, how long? When is He going to start listening? You're free. So don't go backwards. Jesus sets us free, and Paul says, then don't go backwards. Move forward. Move forward. What's that? Good word. 
Let's pray. Lord, thanks for um, the clarity in this. Thank you for the ton of logic and explanation that Paul gives us through you. May it help us understand our true condition. That you put us in, you set us up for success. You, you put us in the position to win. And then the question just becomes, do we, do we believe in you? Do we trust you? Do we, do we want you? Do we obey you? Do we accept your son, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior? And how, how, do we, how do we do that, Lord? How do we walk free? Pray you'd show each person here how they, they do that specific to themselves. If, if you're here today and, and, or you're listening online and, and you are understanding for the first time that you're free and you want to accept that freedom, you want to start moving forward, you want eternal life to start today and you recognize that Jesus died on the cross for you and solved it all. You want that short path to forgiveness and you want to start living. Make that decision today. Tell him, put it in your own words, or if you want help, you could you could say this, God, from now on, I want to move forward with you. You're in charge. I want to be your instrument. Show me how to do that, Lord. Father, thanks for uh, our church. Again, for the things we get to experience when we serve you and minister to others. Pray you take this offering and help us use it to do exactly that. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. say you were a child of God okay get your outline out seriously just for a second indulge me at home if you wrote this stuff down it's the first letter of every line of the fill-ins O B E Y if you're a child of God then you need to obey may you move forward in the freedom he gives Amen. Go with him.